This is the Modern Day Tribe podcast where we talk about all things birth and postpartum through stories from real moms and dads and professionals that can support you before, during, and after having your baby. I'm your host, Sarah Bednar, mom of three babies and certified postpartum doula, focusing on a holistic approach to your basic needs and maternal intuition. So while you're here, hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Hi there, I'm Sarah, your host of the Modern Day Tribe podcast. I'm very excited to have our guest today because she's going to help us with a holistic, gentle way to get our babies to sleep. She is a certified sleep consultant. She is the owner of Live Love Sleep. Here is Kaylee Bedina. How are you, Kaylee? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. I know our listeners are going to love today's topic of your expertise because we're talking about sleep and specifically infant and children's sleep. And I know you work with parents that have children, of course. And when we're working with the parents to get the kids and babies to sleep, of course, it's going to usually in turn help ourselves to get more sleep. Would you say that? Absolutely. Yep. I work with lots of parents to teach their kiddos healthy sleep skills to really start consolidating that sleep at night, taking those good long rests during the day with those naps. Um, and that absolutely helps us as parents start getting that sleep that we need to to be the best parents and partners and friends that we can possibly be. Oh, that's so true. So true. And you are a mom as well. So and you have two little babies. I would love to have you share your birth and postpartum stories. Because a lot of times that has a lot to do with where we started with our work, right? It absolutely does. Absolutely. And I'm happy to share that. Yeah, so I'm a mom of two to Evelyn, who is five, and Leo, who's three. And yeah, my journey started when I got pregnant with Evelyn. So I was just so excited uh, to be pregnant. And this was all really new to me. I was the first one out of all my friends to be pregnant. So I really had no idea what to expect. And I read so many books on pregnancy and listened to every single podcast I could find Mm -hmm. on the topic um, and just learned as much as I could on what my body was going through and what to expect out of this whole process. Um, It was really interesting because, you know, my whole life I'd been kind of afraid of pregnancy and what birthing was going to feel like and be like, and I've always had a really low pain tolerance, so From the very beginning, I was like, yep, I'm going to be loaded up with every single drug you can Mm -hmm. give me so I don't have to feel any of this. And just the more that I got educated on the subject, the more my views were starting to turn. And I I ended up really wanting to have as natural of a birth as I could possibly do. So I got 
my husband on board with doing a Bradley course, which is a really great experience that we got to go through together. It's really where the the husband or the partner is helping his wife get through the birth, doing you know natural breathing and just trying to get through it in as, as natural and a holistic way as possible. That's a perfect so description of that, through, yeah. Yeah, it, it was really great and a really good bonding experience for us. Too. Absolutely. You know, it was like an eight-week course and we had like a date night planned every night, you know, before oh, it. Good. Really, really nice way to go through it, you know, before having a baby and, and spending those last few precious months together <laughs> one-on-one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we went through all of that and I had a really healthy pregnancy. Um, everything was going great. And I was at my 40-week doctor's appointment. That's when my doctor came over to me and said, all right, you've got protein in your urine and your blood pressure has escalated out of nowhere. You have preeclampsia. You're not leaving the hospital. Mm. You're having this baby today. And it was really upsetting. You know, I had this birth plan planned out like I was going to labor at home we were going to do it like this specific way I'd I'd done all this research and it was just really devastating having all of that fall apart and having to get um, induced you know to to have my baby just not really the way that I planned so rather than getting to do all of that from home I was you know admitted to the hospital right then and there my blood pressure kept going up but they were monitoring me and said things were okay enough to where we didn't have to do anything you know as an emergency um, and we could try to do this as naturally as possible with all the things that were going on it was pretty rough <laughs> we tried to uh, tried to induce naturally my I called my Bradley instructor and she said well maybe you can try pumping for a little bit and see if you can get some nipple stimulation to start the contractions. That didn't work and I ended up doing it way too long and it was pretty unpleasant mm-hmm. <laughs> experience. And yeah, after that we we started Pitocin and it was a really long labor. It was about 30 hours or so oh. um, until we finally got to the point where my body was ready. We went through through the night. I think I was admitted around like five o'clock when they actually started the pitocin. Nothing really happened overnight, and in the morning, you know, the the doctor came back in and said, "Okay, we need to we need to start picking things up." So she broke my water in hopes that that would start to really get those contractions going. And thank goodness that worked. <laughs> that was when everything really started going at that point. Mm-hmm. So I labored for about three or four hours with having those contractions finally pick up. And after about three or four hours, things were getting pretty intense. I was doing my breathing that we were taught. And the nurse came in and checked me and said, okay, you're about 10, 10 centimeters. Looks like we're about, you know, ready. Do you, do you feel like you're ready to push? And I was like, well, I don't really know what yeah. that feels like. <laughs> was my first, so yeah. I was like, I guess so. We can give it a shot. I started pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And my body was not at all ready to do this. And if I could give any advice to a first-time mom who has a, you know, nurse come in and say, oh, it looks like, you know, you're 
you're dilated enough to start pushing. If your body's telling you that you're not ready, do not start yet. Because I pushed for three and a half hours. That The first two hours, nothing was happening. And I exerted so much energy <laughs> when I didn't need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, it lasted a lot longer than, than it probably should have. But we finally were able to get her out as naturally as possible. I didn't have to do um, an epidural, so I was able to at least feel everything that I wanted to feel and get through it. And finally, three and a half hours later from pushing, Evelyn was born. Um, And it was amazing. A a pretty rough recovery since I had been pushing so long, and maybe because of the preeclampsia, as soon as I got out of bed, I passed out maybe from the the blood pressure, but they ended up making me do bed rest for three days. (laughs) So I couldn't even get out of bed to, you know, go over and see her in her little basket. So she spent a lot of time on me and and just having other people help out in the hospital. That was what it was, but still, you know, a good experience. And I was just so, so thankful that we were both healthy and that's, in the end, you know, what really mattered. Absolutely. We got home and I realized, wow, I spent the last nine months preparing for pregnancy and preparing for the birth. And that all happened really fast. <laughs> you know, we were in and out of the hospital in, in three days. Now what do I do with this newborn? Uh-huh. You know, yep. everybody <laughs> says the first few weeks, like they just need to, to eat and poop and sleep. And we're like, okay, we can do that. Well, she didn't really sleep. I thought, you know, I'd heard the term sleep like a baby and figured, okay, we just lay her down in the crib and she's going to sleep because she's tired. That's what we do, right? We we go to bed and we fall asleep. That is not what happened with my daughter. Mm. <laughs> she did not know how to fall asleep in her crib. So we got to the point where we were trying everything to get this poor child to sleep. I ultimately would would nurse her to sleep most of the time and have her fall asleep in my arms uh, or be on a bouncy ball uh, or like a yoga ball and bounce around, walk around the house. I remember when she was like three, four months old, we were just having a really, really tough night trying to get her down. It was after midnight. I'd been trying for hours and pulled out the vacuum cleaner. I put her in Ergo Baby and think was thinking like maybe it's the movement and the noise going yeah. finally put her to sleep and that didn't work either yeah. it was just um a real challenge because whenever she'd fall asleep eventually after hours and hours of trying you know I'd gently like a ninja try to put her down into the crib and I swear the moment she hit the crib those eyes would pop open or if we were lucky we'd get like 20 minutes out of her and then she'd wake up crying mm. and that whole process started, started over again over. yeah and that's just it's really challenging postpartum when you're not getting sleep it just it makes everything so much harder mm-hmm. you know I, I always felt like I was on edge with my husband all the time because I felt like it was just on me you know to get her to sleep because I was the only one who could do it with nursing her to sleep and it was challenging on her because she was her mood was not very good because she wasn't getting that amount of sleep that she needed either and after three months I was back at work at my corporate job which was pretty demanding and went through another three months of just getting very broken sleep throughout the night at six months old 
I, I remember going into the office. I just started drinking coffee for the first time in my life at 30. Oh, wow. <laughs> Having a, a new baby. Yep. To, just to try to make it through the days. And when she was six months old, I mean, we got to the point where I was maybe getting two hours of, you know, 20 minutes at a time throughout oh, wow. the night. And just knew we, something had to change. That's right. But I heard of the term sleep training and thought that that meant putting her down in the crib, closing the door, letting her cry, and, you know, crying all night. And mm-hmm. that just wasn't something that I was comfortable with. I, no mom in the world wants to hear her baby cry. You know, That's it's right. our instinct to want to, to help them and, and be with them and comfort them if something's not right. So it just didn't feel right to me to, you know, let her cry it out. And a friend of mine told me about a program that she'd heard about called Sleep Sense, where there was other methods out there, a lot more gentle approach that you didn't have to let your baby cry it out. And at that point, I was like, what do we have to lose? <laughs> you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're in this really, really tough spot right now. If I don't have to let her cry it out, let's just give it a shot. Well, on the third night, Evelyn went from waking up, you know, every 20 to 30 minutes throughout the night to sleeping through the night with just waking up one time to nurse because she was still, um, you know, on, on a little bit low end of her weight. So I wanted to keep a feed in our night. Oh, for sure. And yeah, and it was like our lives were transformed after that. Mm. As a mom, I was able to get that time back in the evening where I wasn't spending hours getting her down to sleep. I was waking up rested. She was waking up rested and her personality just flourished overnight. You know, she turned in from this like pretty grumpy little baby to this smiley little thing that I just could not wait to to hold and, and be around as much as I could. It was yeah. absolutely amazing. And just having that feeling and seeing how much it transformed our lives I thought, wow, this is a, a pretty neat thing, being able to, you know, go from being so sleep-deprived like that to being able to sleep through the night or just have that one nighttime waking like like I was comfortable with having. And I'd, I'd heard of this training that Sleep Sense is doing to become a certified sleep consultant and thought, wow, this is really cool to be able to have a personalized approach rather than just reading a book and trying to figure things out on your own. You know, there's lots of different methods out there that that families can use. And it would be so amazing to be able to create a customized sleep plan for families and really be their support system along the way as they're going through this challenging time of navigating this journey of their child's sleep. Mm -hmm. So I got certified and it's been just the most rewarding experience. I quit my corporate job and have been helping families teach their babies and uh, toddlers and older children how to start consolidating their sleep and getting parents back that time that they need as well. Oh my gosh, that is an absolutely wonderful story. And I love the fact that you do this work, but you know from personal experience what it's like and what these parents are going through. So the the empathy that you have for them is is truly at your heart and having that work to be able to 
personalized plan for each family because everyone's different. All babies are different. Families are different. They they value different things in a way at how they're going to take care of their babies. And I love the fact that you personalize it to each family. And so that's an absolutely wonderful story. And since then, you've had another one. So obviously, you know how more than one child family dynamic works too with mm-hmm. your work, because there is a different dynamic once you have another child, there's a different dynamic to how does that, what does that bedtime look like and how they're putting their child to sleep. Exactly. And I love the fact that you have that experience and knowing that you know what it feels like. So what are some of the tips that you could offer? Just what parents could start here right now today to start on a road to better sleep for the whole family? <laughs> well, how much time do you have? I know, really. A lot of good <laughs> that I can share. <laughs> no, trust me. I'm Let's right here start. with my pen and paper. I'm ready to write too, so. Oh, good. Okay. Well, let's start with just creating an ideal sleep environment for mm-hmm. your baby or your child. So there's a few different things that parents can do right now to start getting the bedroom set up to be in that ideal sleep environment. So in a perfect world, I'd love for the bedroom to be nice and dark on a scale of one to 10, um, you know, 10 out of 10 would be ideal, but we want it at least dark enough to where you can't read a book in there. That's just how we sleep best as humans is in, you know, a nice, dark, cool room like that. I love, you know, a lot of people will get blackout blinds, but I really like blackout window covers even better. Um, And I can send you a link to the one that I like the best. It's called Easy Blackout Window Covers. And you just Velcro, you you do like a custom size to your windows and you just Velcro it right on. And so it can come on and off throughout the day, but it's going to make it like a five-star hotel in that bedroom where it's just nice and dark. I love that. And babies. Yeah, I got some for my own room. I love them I was just so going to say, I was going to get some for my own room, too. <laughs> Temperature-wise, children tend to sleep best with a temperature somewhere between about 68 to 72 degrees. So a lot of times I see parents have it, especially in the summertime, way too warm in there um, for, for their child's sleep, especially during the daytime because, you know, we're just doing our own thing and they forget to, to lower the temperature for nap. When it comes to the crib... We really want that crib to be completely bare. Nothing but a mattress with a fitted sheet on top and your baby and either a swaddle if they're, you know, under three months of age or a arms-free sleep sack um, if they're, you know, starting to roll over. And that's just going to be the safest sleep environment for your child because American Academy of Pediatrics doesn't recommend, you know, any loose items in there like levies, bumpers, mobiles, anything like that. And we also really want the crib to be associated with sleep and not with anything else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the problem, you know, with mobiles other than safety is also, and like those toys, like those baby Einstein ones that light up and play music and have fish swimming around or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's too stimulating. You know, it gives babies something else to look at and something to do when they're in their crib. So we really want to reset those expectations that the crib is for sleeping and not for playing or doing anything else and just for sleeping. There's those things that we can do, you know, 
from day one creating that great ideal sleep environment for babies. So something else that we can also talk about, which is really the number one issue that we're, we're probably going to be working on changing with families, is teaching your baby how to be able to fall asleep independently. Because probably the number one reason why parents reach out to me is because their baby relies on something external in order to fall asleep, which I call a sleep prop. So something like needing to be fed to sleep, like I was doing with Evelyn, needing to be bounced or rocked to sleep, sleeping in parents' beds with them, anything that that is requiring something from you or external in order to fall asleep. Now, the problem with relying on sleep props is that it also makes it a lot more challenging for children to fall back asleep without those sleep props. Mm -hmm. Because what we all do is go through these multiple sleep cycles when we're sleeping. And when we come out of one sleep cycle and go into the next one, everybody actually comes to the surface of sleep. But, you know, as adults, you and me, we've had plenty of practice. We know how to get ourselves back to sleep without really even knowing that we've had those brief wakings. But with babies and children who rely on sleep props in order to fall asleep, when they come to those gaps in their sleep cycle, they're more going to fully start to wake up and cry out for their parents to come and assist them back into sleep. Because those are really the only strategies that they've known up until this point. You know, they basically need something from somebody in order to fall asleep. So really by breaking, you know, those old habits and those old ways of sleeping and starting to introduce these new, healthy, independent sleep skills, that's how we're going to help children fall asleep so much more peacefully because they're not going to need anybody's help to fall back asleep whenever they do have those brief wakings in between sleep cycles. And that's usually, you know, the reason why we're seeing really short naps during the daytime too. Because um, a lot of families that reach out to me, they're, they're saying, oh, nighttime sleep is so hard, but my baby's also only sleeping 20 or 30 minutes at a time for naps. And that's because they're only making it through that one sleep cycle and they're waking up and saying, oh, you know, everything's not right in the world. Because imagine it from your perspective. Imagine you fell asleep in your bed and you woke up in the garden. You know, that would be pretty terrifying and frightening. I'd probably start crying out too. Yeah. That's what your baby's experiencing when they fall asleep in your arms. You know, every they're snuggling with you and then you set them down into the crib. And they're somewhere completely different. It, it, everything's not right. And so by, by changing that up and teaching them, you know, by falling asleep in your crib, they come to that gap in their sleep cycles. They look around and realize everything is exactly as it was when I fell asleep. Everything is right in the world. And they'll just, you know, roll over and, and fall back asleep on their own without needing anything from you at that point. Yeah, and I like the idea that you had pointed out that your daughter still woke up at least once. She was a little bit older even because you were making sure that her weight gain is still mm -hmm. consistent. And I love the fact that you make it a point to make sure that when in I'm sure in your personalization of the plans for each family those are considerations that we take because when the babies are at a certain age, 
that weight gain is still very important to take into consideration when they're sleeping and how long they're sleeping in between feedings. And I love that you pointed that out. But at the same time, knowing that it's not a bad thing to allow your baby to fall asleep when they're nursing, that's such a comforting area. But at the same time, I like that you pointed out that if we were to fall asleep in mom or dad's arms, which is not a bad thing, but if they if they choose to want to do that, if the parents choose to want to do it that way, but at the same time, if we can get them to where they're falling asleep and they're waking up in the same environment, then they're more settled. I mean, like you said, we don't want to fall asleep in someone's arms and then wake up in the garden. <laughs> That's a great, yeah. <laughs> great description. I love that. So these, these are great tips. I love it. So can you give us a little bit for kids that are a little bit older, one to four years old? And of course, that looks a little bit different between a one and four year old, but somewhere a little bit older than younger infant. When we're putting them to sleep, the routine, I get so many parents asking me, well, what's a good routine to put them to sleep? Yes. So I always love to start the bedtime routine off with a bath because that's just such a significantly different activity than what goes on in their day. And it's that really good signal and cue that the bedtime routine is approaching. Mm. So start it off with a bath, then move on into your child's bedroom because we really want as much of that bedtime routine to be taking place in their bedroom as possible Mm, so that they can start to unwind and just get comfortable with knowing that going to sleep in their crib or their bed is going to be that conclusion of the routine. Then um, for babies under a year old, I would keep a feed in the bedtime routine, and that's usually a good time to do it is after we've moved into the bedroom there after the bath. But with older children, you know, over a year old, after we move into the room, get dressed, we can just read a couple books. With toddlers and older, I do recommend limiting it, though, to just two books or so, because we want to start setting some boundaries around bedtime, because toddlers love to test boundaries Mm -hmm. in all areas of their life, and that bedtime routine is no exception. (laughs) That's right. So really by, yeah, by firming up these boundaries and, and making things a little bit more clear so that they understand you know, what these expectations are, that's how we're really going to help to start easing some of these bedtime battles that I start to see with toddlers, you know, a little bit older. Because imagine, you know, you say, okay, two books tonight. And they say, one more, mommy, one more. And you think, oh, what's the harm? You know, we're we're teaching them things. It's their learning and development. That's right. Like, <laughs> it's just another story. For them, what that's teaching them is, I just asked for one more thing in the bedtime routine, and I got it. What mm-hmm. else can I start asking for? <laughs> and you're going to see more and more demands. Like, you leave the room, mommy, I need some water. You come back and then get them water. One more hug, one more kiss. And then it starts to take, you know, much longer than it used to. So that's why we really just want to keep things really, really firm with those boundaries. So we've got the bath, we've got got them dressed, done some stories, and then you'll just give them that last kiss of the night and get them into their bed and, and turn off the lights and good to go from there. Those are such great tips. I know anybody that has little ones are going to love the fact that they can walk away from this knowing that they have a few things in their bag of tricks to help our kids to fall asleep and then ultimately for us to get more sleep. 
If parents are in this position, which we all are, we have to admit that we always could do with a little bit more sleep. When parents are interested in the work that you do, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, so the best way to reach me is just to pop onto my website. It's livelovesleep.com. And I've got lots of links on there to schedule a complimentary discovery call with me so that we can hop on a call and make sure that we're the right fit for each other. So I can learn a little bit more about their child-specific sleep challenges and walk through how a customized sleep plan can help them with that. They can also follow me on Facebook. I'm at Live Love Sleep on Facebook or on Instagram at baby.sleep.help. I will put those links in our show notes so that when we get back home or we can get to the show notes, we can contact Kaylee. And I'm so excited that you were able to come on and share your experiences in your birth and postpartum stories. Such a a heart for this work. And you can tell in your voice and so much that you know about it. And I love that you're here in our area and people could come and utilize your expertise. And thank you again so much, Kaylee, in sharing this. And I'm grateful for you. I I really appreciate it. I really, really appreciate you having me on and hope that these tips can help a lot of parents out there. If you want to hang out with me on other social platforms, you can find me on Instagram at Dallas Dula Sarah, on Facebook, The Modern Day Tribe, and on my website, themoderndaytribe.com. And if you loved what you're hearing, please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts and share it with your friends and family. These reviews and five-star ratings help this podcast get found by more listeners and parents that are also looking for support and guidance.